Hello, and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-accurate roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with... Nope, nobody. <laughs> None of my regulars are here. This was a weird week. I had a really cool topic planned, and then all the regular co-hosts, especially Wayne and Katya, who care a lot, are totally doing Oscar parties right now. That's what they're doing, and that, <laughs> and they're not here to say that's what they're not doing. So in the canon of the show, everyone is at an Oscar party right now, except for me, oh, and I am more. very much looking forward to <laughs> hearing what Wayne and Katya said about the Oscars when they're back on the show next week, and I'm sure they'll listen to it now and they'll be like what the fuck is he doing but anyway that's not what we're doing today this is a topic based on something that happened a couple of weeks ago on the show we were talking about princess diaries and makeover scene and i thought i want to talk about makeovers in movies and the lack of makeovers in movies and i will give details of that in a second and why i exactly i decided i want to do this topic but first i want to introduce my guests for this week because we have a couple of returning guests and we have a new guest. So I will go Natalie. You're one of our earliest guests ever. We have Natalie Shepard Bodine, longtime friend of the show. Hey, Nat, welcome back. Nash, I'm happy <laughs> to be doing? here. <laughs> well, I got okay. pulled in like half an hour ago, so I'm doing great. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me this week. And she's not kidding. At a very last minute to talk about this very weird top conversation that I want to. So welcome back. And you've been on the show many times before. So it's been a while, but you've been here many times before. So. And I also want to welcome back Nicole. Hi, how's it going? I'm doing fine. How are you? Thank you again for as well. <laughs> yes, I got roped in approximately, what, four or five hours ago. So, you know, I got a little bit. Oh, has it been that long? Oh, has it been that long? Yeah, it's literally been like, I'm like, I have to gather a show today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is, it is, it, this is very last minute, but I think it's going to be interesting. Nicole, you brought a guest. First time yeah. guest. Yes, I did. My friend Bex Truka was kindly consented to, to chime in. <laughs> So take it away, Bex. Yeah, happy to be here. As you heard, not we've been here from Nicole. I'm an environmental engineer, Star Trek nerd, and a proud dog mother of three. So we'll happy to join the conversation. So environmental engineer, this is going to totally fit in. So <laughs> because here's what happened. So we did an episode of the show where we were mostly talking about several things about the movies Princess Diaries 1 and 2. But the episode was about class consciousness and lots of stuff that happens in those movies. But I had seen the first movie before. I'd never seen Princess Diaries 2, but I'd seen Princess Diaries 1 when it came out 20-something years ago. And then I never watched it again. But I was like, well, if I'm going to watch Princess Diaries 2, I need to remind myself of, you know, the goings-on of Princess Diary 1 because I don't want to be lost. You know, obviously, I need to be able to you know follow the continuity of this franchise. And while watching it, there is the requisite makeover scene where Anne Hathaway's character, who is secretly a princess, but she's grown up as like a random nerd in middle America. She gets a makeover and the makeover, like many teen movies, is, you know, they fix her hair and they take off her glasses and oh my God, she's beautiful. And it has nothing to do with the fact that she just was Anne Hathaway already. But that's <laughs> what the movie wants you to believe. Except that in my brain, after like 20 years of haze and, and, and thinking about the show, I had remembered her, you know, doing this total Clark Kent with glasses on and then Superman glasses off thing. But that's not what happened. 
happens. She doesn't wear the glasses very often at all in the movie. She's got them on in a couple of scenes, but she literally takes them off all the time. So really the makeover is mostly you see them pluck her eyebrows and they comb her hair and that's pretty much it. She looks exactly the same other than that. And then everybody treats her like it's been this grand, beautiful makeover, but it really isn't like even less so than, you know, the normal joke. So then I started thinking about all the movies where this happens. And then there's the classic one, which is in the uh, the teen movie parody, not another teen movie where that's the whole joke. There's the character of Janie and Janie needs a makeover because they're like, oh, she's so hideous. She's so ugly. She's got glasses and a ponytail. What do we do? What do we do? And then finally, there's a point where Catherine, another character, goes, I have an idea. It's crazy. And then she takes off her glasses and she lets down her hair and she's like, oh, she's beautiful now. I'm a genius. And that's the joke in that movie. So I was like, okay, but they're making fun of all these movies where it happens. But I started going through and just looking at all these makeover movies. And I think they're actually all self-aware because that scene in Not Another Teen Movie is a direct parody of a movie called She's All That with Rachel Lee Cook, where the character's name is Lainey. And, you know, they cut Lainey's hair. They, you know, she has a ponytail and they cut her hair slightly shorter and they give her contacts instead of glasses. But the movie was aware that she was cute already. Like, it, it's like, oh, she's cute. She's just so antisocial. Like, they didn't like her. She didn't have any friends, but that was because she was one, poor, two, brainy, three, into art too much, and four, she didn't like other people. So she's antisocial and that makes her like an outcast, but it was never really about beauty. So I kind of just want to talk about the ways these scenes work in movies. Like the fact that you have these makeover scenes where it's like, oh, you've changed now because, you know, nothing's really different about the character except that like apparently women are ugly when they wear glasses and have ponytails. You know, like I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make a rough estimate of women that I've met in the world and say 99% of them have had a ponytail at some time or other. So that's what I wanted to talk about. Thoughts? Well, I suppose we could start with the fact that it's almost always happening to to women, right? It's about make the woman more attractive. We don't get a lot of glam up for men. I can think of one off the top of my head, which is a movie from the 80s called Can't Buy Me Love, where they have to make Patrick Dempsey more attractive. But by and large, most of the time, it's the women, which, you know, I mean, don't step in the sexism. It's everywhere. You know, you brought up an interesting point about, you know, the antisocial nature of you know, Lainey and the how there wasn't a lot of physical change in either of them. I'm trying to reflect back on when I did watch the movie. It's been a minute. I'm not going to lie. But in China, like I have this vision of in Princess Diaries, like before her makeover, did she wasn't she like more hunched over as well? And didn't she used to engage? And yes, they did the physical makeover. Mm-hmm. I've seen her recall that they also did a lot of like tutoring where now she's sitting up straighter. Yes. Now she's talking to people. And I think that actually is a type of makeover as well. Like how you engage mm-hmm. with people versus the, you know, one with Lainey and she's all that. Like, wasn't she still pretty antisocial afterwards? Like, I don't yeah. remember like her body language changing, how she interacted with people. Like, there it was straight. Hey, we put a pretty dress on and you use some makeup yeah. and now you're a cool kid. Yeah, she just there was no like, change of the person. Nope. She has a sexy dress, no glasses. That's it. She's still an artist. She is, and she's hanging out with a cooler kid. She's hanging out with Freddie Prince Jr. So, which is, it, she's all that is not exactly the same plot as Can't Buy Me Love because Can't Buy Me Love he wants it whereas in She's All That she doesn't necessarily want to be popular but like functionally the, the way people behave is actually very similar in those two movies yeah she doesn't change much at all in She's All That which is sort of the which is sort of the point I guess is that no there was nothing wrong with Lainey ever 
like so beauty like, is only so oh. deep well and it wasn't she didn't even want to right. change right it's a bet from guy from guys completely outside mm-hmm. of her and they you know so it's not like she went to somebody and said hey i'd like to look different can you help me it's mm-hmm. you know and he's not even being honest about why he gets his sister to come give her this makeover right right so i do want to point out one thing just because it was odd i thought just i thought there would be very few examples of male makeover it turns out there are lots it's actually really common there's like there's a tag for it on imdb and once i started exploring it it's like oh wow it actually does happen a lot what i think the difference is we ignore it a little more um so like i don't know that it's an odd thing where i'm like i'm not sure the movies are being sexist here i think we as a consuming public are because it actually happens very frequently where you have the nerdy guy and then they glow him up they put him in a suit they get it they teach him to stand up straight there's one called crazy stupid love that stars ryan gosling and Steve Carell. you mentioned can't buy me love there's the nutty professor movies which you know it actually uses using science you know in power but there are a lot of the entire concept of steve urkel and stefan urkel in in family matters it's actually apparently you know super common to do this you know oh Hmm. like and the plot line is often you know if he just looked a little better you know it's the girls who are being superficial by ignoring it i'm not saying it's not sexist it still is you know (laughs) but it's very much a you know everyone's being superficial and they're just not paying attention to him because he's acting like a nerd the weird science you know again she uses you know her magic ish powers but it very much is oh they just need to be in the right clothes and we can fuse everybody into thinking these nerds are actually cool so it's actually pretty common okay just but we but i didn't think so either like when i started i found that out like while i was writing the call for comments for this episode <laughs> and, and, and I was my, like, my first thought was actually like training montages in like sports movies yes. or any kind of movie where like the nerd becomes like the jock mm-hmm. and just to bring it back around to like the female makeover movie and i haven't seen she's all that sounds like maybe the one exception but in like the princess diaries and devil wears prada and clueless and all of the makeover movies that i've been able to think of in the last you know 15 minutes or so there always is like a training like what bex was saying like you learn to sit up straight you gain confidence you learn how to talk to people and taking off the glasses and taking down the ponytail is really more symbolic of that overall change that you've made in your hmm. confidence right i hadn't really thought about it. there's That's two it. main themes i see right when it comes to these makeover movies and one is more focused on you know your look don't really matter and don't change who you are on the inside but then there's one that it's really about like your confidence is what matters and it's about mm-hmm. gaining confidence mm-hmm. and engaging with people good point oh <laughs> so here's the question then and this is what i started wondering the more i like started looking into this are these movies all secretly aggressive or not so she's all that definitely wants to be like the message there is very much and very intentionally laney was always fine like she's smart she's pretty she just doesn't want to deal with high school bullshit like she is above the pettiness and then like you guys in high school. <laughs> right <laughs> and you guys dragged her into it and now she's got to deal with it but that's like sort of secretly the story of she's all that oh and by the way she's all that remade last year and as a movie called he's all that where they gender flopped it so so really that's yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's on netflix <laughs> unwatchable <laughs> rachel lee cook is in it again though she's she is the new character oh, wow. mom. yeah that yeah the, it's she returns as the mom of she's not playing the same character it's not like a oh this happened to me when i was a kid she's playing an entirely different character and it's just a callback to you were in the other movie but it's the it's 
bad. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. My question is, are these secretly progressive because they're trying to say, no, we are questioning the idea of saying that these girls need makeovers. Like, I think that's the message of She's All That. Is that the message of all of these movies? The other ones that I mentioned in the call for comments are Miss Congeniality, which you know, a lot mm. of people brought up when I was working on it, which and a movie which I think is perfect if you've never seen it. It is bad. This is a movie called She's Out of Control starring Tony yes. Danza. Oh, have you seen it? Yeah. Oh, yes. It is. It's wow. a bad 80s movie, Mav. Of course I've seen oh. it. <laughs> Has anybody else seen it? No, not no. me. <laughs> it <laughs> is, as I said in the thing, She's Out of Control has a generous, a very generous 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. That score is twice as high as it should be at 11%. It is so bad. But like that one also has the message. So she gets the makeover in that. But the makeover isn't like, it's not like she's being dragged into it. It's that she's 15 and she's just, she just sort of wants a style update. So she asks her dad's girlfriend, hey, can you take me shopping? Her dad's a widower. Hey, can you take me shopping and help me be a young woman? And then she gets Mm -hmm. cool clothes and then she's popular, but it's not like, because I went back and rewatched the movie. It's not like kids hate her. Yeah, well, (laughs) no, but it's weird. Like the kids don't hate her. It's not like they're like, oh, she's, you know, she's such a nerd. Nobody Mm -hmm. wants to hang out with her. Katie is a nerd in that she's a 14 year old girl and she looks like, you know, she's a 14 year old girl with glasses and then she's like, no, I think I'm going to try contacts and get a nice haircut and wear some skirts. But it's not clear that she wouldn't have just started dating anyway because she was 15, right? Like, so the movie's about her dad overreacting because her dad is afraid that, oh my God, my daughter is sexy now. So like, it's basically him noticing that she's sexy and that's uncomfortable for him, but that's the storyline, right? Like the storyline is not like, oh, I want to get my daughter, but it's just like a, oh, boys are going to look at her and they're going to have dangerous thoughts because that's what I would have. And, you know, he notices her, you know, like they go to the beach and she's, yeah, that's the thing. It's just like, it's like a, the question, the movie knows that it's talking about, you know, her sexuality being imposed on her by her father, which I mean, it's weird. It's weird to call it. We have no idea what else to say. It's just that it's such a, it's it's bad, right? It's so bad that it makes it hard to go, oh, it's doing something interesting. I mean, I think it's trying to, I guess. They're really trying to do the transition from child to adulthood and the parental acknowledgement of that or no, they focus a lot on the sexuality and it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it it is. I mean, because it's, but it's, but I mean, that's the message, right? It's not like, it's not like it's like, oh, it's not like the movie is going, oh, he's imagining it. The movie is going, she's growing up and he won't let her because, you know, she's got to be daddy's little girl and she's not. She's 15 and she's just like, it's not like she goes, she doesn't start sleeping around. She doesn't start like going crazy, boy crazy or anything. She's not out of control. The movie is about him being, he is in the wrong very clearly. He screws everything up because he is an overreact. You know, this, this leads to a question of what are we going to consider a makeover movie? Is it, does a makeover movie have to be like put on the main character by a third party or can it come from the third main character? And I have two movies I'm going to propose for the question mm-hmm. and that is The New Guy and Easy A. Good one. Okay. Both of those were mentioned in the list that I saw. Okay. And The New Guy was mentioned mm-hmm. as one that is doing this with a male character. Has anybody seen The New Guy besides me and Beck? Yes. I, I have seen that long one. ago. I think I blocked a lot of it out. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. <laughs> Nat, you seen it? I have seen it. Out, I think that's the one with like the mm-hmm. funk band, right? Yeah. DJ Qualls. Right. That's right. <laughs> the, yeah. DJ Qualls. Well, in, in, but I do remember it and I do love that movie. You didn't like it, Nicole. Or like you, I said, or I only vaguely remember it. I think mm-hmm. I saw it maybe once. I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I so I can't yeah, but, really come down on right. one side or the other. Because I'm, I'm basing it on my 
my knowledge of DJ Qualls's oeuvre. <laughs> he does play. He plays a cooler version of the character that he always plays. Yeah. Is, he is that yeah. guy. That's why you brought it up, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of it, and it was a lot of him saying, "I'm going to develop this attitude." And I mean, he doesn't actually. He doesn't actually really become this hot bad guy, right? <laughs> he just no. becomes. He develops this attitude. He's like, "I'm going to go to this school. I'm going to have this attitude. I'm going to seek out advice from people, and I'm going to apply it and see how it impacts, you know, my life." Mm-hmm. And it's him kind of stepping into his own. But he drove that thing. So, yeah. So is that a makeover or is that, you know, not? Well, I mean, if we're talking about, especially in relation to she's out of control, that one isn't really a makeover so much as a growing up, right? That this is just a natural process that at a certain point you start, you know, you start being more aware of what is my appearance like and sort of the pluses and negatives of how your physical appearance affects the rest of your life, right? And and whether Um, you're going to care or not. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, so, I mean, you know, a, I don't know, I guess I always think of a makeover and this is just sort of my bias. Like when you first say it, my impulse well, is a makeover, a makeover in the movie is something that isn't really needed. That is superficial, but doesn't, you know, is done for the benefit of other characters and not the character and herself or himself. And like I said, that's just my bias when I hear like makeover in a movie. Okay. You know, miscongeniality, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't upset with the way she looked. He didn't feel the need to change. Right. Well, it but was, at least that, had a, you know, that was a case. She had a reason yes. to do it. In fact, she did it begrudgingly yes. because she had. Yes. But she didn't say, I need to be prettier. I need to dress differently. Right. And even after, you know, at the end, he immediately was back in her suit. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, her hair was still all, you know, all glam, but she was not the same way. And the and Benjamin Bratt's line is, you know, when we get back to D.C. and you get all ugly again maybe we can go out <laughs> right i mean i don't think he said ugly i don't remember the exact no, term, but, it, but is, I mean, it is a good way of putting it yes <laughs> right so again like i said that's just sort of my interpretation when i hear the word makeover is i think it's sort of that it's not always needed sometimes it's fun i mean i think most people loved it in pretty woman when she goes back to the place that wouldn't wait on her and is you know big mistake big mm-hmm. you, right rubbing their faces in it and she can only pull that off because she is now dressed appropriately in their perspective. But I don't know. That's, I think, yeah, there's a difference between a makeover that someone wants to do as part of their natural growth as opposed to one that other people insist could be done. Yeah, there's this almost like going behind enemy lines thing that these the being put out of like congeniality. You know, she wasn't doing it for a case. So after she's done, you know, investigating that, I forget what is it a murder they're investigating? I think it's terrorist. Oh. Oh. Yeah. A bomber. bomber. Yeah, okay. When they're done finding the bomber, she does, you know, she doesn't wear like the all of the pageantry, right? But she does still straighten her hair. She does still wear a little more makeup. So she is bringing things back from the other side of that line, even though it isn't a like permanent makeover, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we see that in a few places, right? I brought this up earlier. I don't mean to keep going on about the devil wears Prada. I just watched it last week, so it's fresh in my mind. And Andy gets her little makeover to work for a fashion magazine, even at the end after she quit and she's working for a very serious news 
camper, he still doesn't look like the Andy at the beginning of the movie, right? So she has mm-hmm. brought some of what she has into her permanent personality and her permanent self-expression and the permanent performance of herself. It's just mm-hmm. not as big. It's not, she's not at a fashion magazine anymore, so it doesn't have to be on the cutting edge, right? Sandra Bullock isn't in the pageant anymore, so she doesn't have to do all of the pageantry, but she still does, like, brush her hair better or something. There's, like, an integration. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, I mean yeah. it's supposed to be representative of, oh, but I, because, so with Sandra Bullock's character, I think her makeover, per se, the real makeover is that she learns that pretty women aren't necessarily bimbos, and she does her speech about that in the film, right? She's like, oh, you know, we could all be winners, and she breaks the crown up, and she's, you know, she's, like, sort of a, you know, she learns that she doesn't have to judge people just like she doesn't want to be judged is supposed to be her growth moment and so I guess the fact that she is now wearing the clothes that she you know she doesn't have to be in the sexy dress she can be in the suit that she finds comfortable and work appropriate but she can retain the better haircut is sort of a you know I can just take parts of this that work for me and I can leave them all behind and I can be an integrated more fully Mm -hmm. formed person because I'm thinking a similar thing happens in in Can't Buy Me Love right like his initial makeover is certainly he wants it because the premise of that film is he wants the girl to make him cool and help him be acceptable and so she helps him out <laughs> I love that his initial makeover is she ripped the sleeves off his shirt at that and messes up his hair but he he goes later on in the movie he's not a complete nerd anymore which means he doesn't wear his glasses does everybody on this show today wear glasses I think we all do but yeah, stops wearing one his of glasses. The, the main reasons I'll never be pretty yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. the contacts um, are poor <laughs> <laughs> but he's still you know he's back to his lawn mowing job he's a schlub but he's not the worst schlub or whatever I don't know like it, it is weird that beauty becomes part of the signifier of you as a whole person and I guess because movies are a visual mm-hmm. medium it just sort of has to be right yeah there's a certain insidiousness to it that I don't love in all of these movies where the girl thinks that she's like too good to be part of this hyper feminine presentation right where she's the nerd you know she's smart or edgy or she doesn't care about any of that stuff right and at the end of the movie she learns that like she she should care about it and I don't know I don't love that I don't don't know if that undermines the progressiveness Mm -hmm. of the confidence being what it is or not but it's almost like Mm -hmm. you know if you straighten your hair and take off your glasses you have more confidence you can't see but at least the confidence everything looks better when you can't see though so I just kind of they're putting on their eyeliners so on point when they can't see it you know yeah. it looks well, pretty when you can't see it the stairs. yeah like that's <laughs> yeah. the best part of she's all that she trips down the stairs like she gets no glasses she gets the sexy dress and then she makes her entrance and then you know they do the slow motion you know they play kiss me and she walks down the stairs in slow motion and then when she gets to the bottom she trips and almost falls like he has to catch her because like she's like because she's never walked in high heels before and like how are you going to get down the stairs but then later she's just fine she just you know you know like there's no training montage of getting of learning to walk in high heels she just gets better at it but Which another there thing, should be my god that is not the simplest thing right right mm-hmm. but, but again most of Lainey's transformation in that movie is it's a I hesitate to even say it's a better haircut because her hair's not even messy it's just long and in a ponytail right and she's not you know mm-hmm. she's never wearing bad clothes she wears overalls a lot because she's a painter so she's wearing she's wearing clothes that she can wear to art class and that's her mm-hmm. look she's got she's got clothes that are covered in paint all the time because she's a painter and that's like what she's doing but even after the makeover and before the denim while the movie where everything's okay she does go back to doing that she 
she is kind of wandering around the school, still wearing her overalls and her paint shirt because she just would have she would have to. So it's not a total like there's the makeover scene, but it's not a total divorcing of it. So I don't know. I mean, was that movie really about the makeover or about the manipulation? <laughs> well, are any of them really about the makeover? Because I mean, like, is Miss Con- I don't know that Miss Congeniality is really about the makeover. I mean, I think we're I think we make bigger deals of the makeover because it's always it's like the big scene, right? Like it's the one scene of She's All That that everyone remembers. It's the scene that they decided to turn into the parody for Not Another Teen Movie, right? It's the famous Mm -hmm. scene. It's hell. It's the song everybody remembers, right? Like nobody remembers the movie She's All That except for, you know, weirdos like us. I don't remember (laughs) She's All That. (laughs) It's what you remember is Kiss Me. You know, like you remember the song, right? Like because that's the that was the big thing. But she gets to walk down the stairs while that song's playing and that's the big moment. So I don't know. It's just such an easy hand wave transformation. You know, I mean, I brought this up earlier. It's like the training montage for girl movies where you can show this really dramatic, you know, character evolution or transformation of some kind with some hand waving. You know, you do the montage where they're putting on makeup Mm -hmm. and they're taking off the glasses and then the big reveal at the end. And Mm -hmm. it's impactful visual storytelling, right? So is it really the same? Is this exactly the same thing as I mean, yes, I understand that one's masculine because it's active and the other is passive because it's makeup and but like Mm -hmm. is it functionally the exact same thing as Rocky beating on some meat in the freezer and chasing chickens and stuff Mm -hmm. running along the beach that's the training montage right like like Rocky is a you know up and coming fighter but like he's got to beat Creed so what do you do you got to go out there and punch some meat is that is it really the same thing I mean maybe it is maybe it's just that moment I'm gonna say yes after having thought about this very intensely for the last hour I feel like I'm an expert and I'm qualified to say yes (laughs) maybe I would I don't think that it necessarily is but I say that as someone who is a who's a fan of you know the training montage because I don't know I feel like in the makeovers we don't it's not enough for it to be a training montage because it's usually it's done for them right I mean like if we're using she's all that as the example you know the sister shows up and does all of her makeup for her Mm -hmm. right I mean we're not I don't know maybe she did give her a tutorial on here's how to draw you know the perfect you know perfect eyeliner I mean but we don't she must yeah because she's able to do it herself I mean we don't see her doing it but like she's got perfect makeup for the rest of the movie and we presume that Anna Paquin doesn't just come over and do her makeup every morning but maybe she does I don't know (laughs) true I don't know I mean again like I said I'm not sure that we necessarily see it but I don't know I have a special fondness in my heart for training montages because they're usually they're usually (laughs) so here so let me let me offer a possible a possibility for a comparison because I was thinking about this and I didn't put it in the call for comments because I wasn't sure if it counted but one of my favorite movies one of my all-time favorite movies is Dirty Dancing and I would say that it functions as a makeover because Baby certainly gets more attractive as the movie goes on but visually she doesn't change like her style is exactly the same I mean she's got a a dress at the dance at the end but like she would have worn that dress anyway like she doesn't start dressing differently she just she only gains confidence and she learns to dance and she learns to dance through montage and she falls in love with Johnny through montage and training together but is that functionally closer to the training montage or is it to the makeover does it matter because she's actively training rather than just having 
having, you know, having her hair fixed for her. You know, I, I'm kind of seeing this now as a spectrum because I, I do think that she's all that is maybe one of the, you know, most negative example, right? It's being done mm-hmm. at her. She doesn't even want it. You see somebody like Pretty Woman and it's okay. She kind of puts into it, but she's also actively working with people and taking on this skill and style and trying to marry mm-hmm. it with herself. And then, yeah. you know, to the other extreme of it's all, you know, physical running, you know, training. So there's this scale here. And I can be convinced that there's an internal change happening where she's more confident. She's more self-assured. She's willing to stand up, you know, more to her father or whatever at the end. Yeah. And to be clear, I'm not saying the training marathons and the makeover scenes are right. the same. I'm saying a larger like narrative kind of storytelling and they're kind of served to show a quick and dirty transformation of a character, right? Yes. But I do think there is something to the idea that we do typically associate the training montage as more active and therefore more masculine, which is, mm-hmm. again, it's just, it's the ways that we use the words masculine and feminine, right? Like I don't necessarily, I've worked as a glamour photographer and I've seen the amount of work that it takes to be supermodel pretty. It is not like a passive thing, right? Like you don't, in real life, you don't just mm-hmm. sit there and have somebody let your hair down and take your glasses off. It's way harder. So I think what, maybe what we're looking at is an X and a Y axis, axis, mm-hmm. right? Like the doing it for yourself for your own reasons versus having it done to you and the having it be superficial versus having it change something fundamentally about you, right? Mm-hmm. So that it might be, you kind of have to plot both those, you know, consider consider it from multiple angles. I mean, sometimes the quote makeover is incredibly small. I'm going to mm-hmm. mention this because, you know, I, I know that my friend is, is a Star Trek nerd. Riker's beard. Yes. <laughs> right. That is an incredibly <laughs> small quote makeover. Right. Yes. Riker, but... the character does not appear in the first season of Star Trek. <laughs> there's just a, there's some other guy is what you're saying. But I mean, you know, once he has the beard, people reacted to the character differently and it was so successful and then he kept it and it was like, you know, now he's more commanding and more, you know, sure of himself, etc. I mean, but that's like a really small, like a small thing. I think Jonathan Frakes has a chin that needs a beard like like thank god he was able to grow one because that was 30 years ago right or whatever it's been i I have almost 40 i've seen him in other stuff frakes continues to have that beard because he needs it (laughs) he looks weird without it he doesn't look like him not just like not like Riker, but maybe that's the thing maybe he and this is being completely unfair i'm just totally like you know the man has a life he can he doesn't need my my say so but i think he needs the beard I think it really helps, you know, his face come it, together. It's an, well, yeah. It really solidified his character as being somebody who is more warm and approachable, despite the fact that he was absolutely the womanizer and TNT. Yeah. The first season, he's not an unattractive man. I mean, he had the classic dimple, right? And a square chin. Yeah. And he came off as more, I'm here to, you know, make sure that I'm watching your back. I'm here to follow the orders. He's not nearly as warm of a character. And, you know, most people who like him as an actor fell in love with the warmer personality, which is absolutely captured with the beard. Mm-hmm. I also think we get a really interesting depiction of almost like a reverse makeover in TNG with Counselor Troy when she starts wearing like an actual Star Trek uniform and not like a cat. Mm-hmm. Um, Love that. The actress tried for a while to get that costume changed, right? Yeah, I don't know the behind the scenes stuff. I mean, it, it was a progression, right? Because she didn't even like have anything that was, it was all about the cleavage, it was all about making her the sex image and it mm-hmm. took several progressions to get her into a full 
full uniform. And that's when mm-hmm. she started to actually say, you know, I want to take command lesson. I want to be yeah. more than just the counselor. I want to think about my career. Like in those later seasons, she was saying, I want to think about what I want to do with my career beyond this. And, you know, that was a great place to take the character. Yeah, it was great. And she got away from the kind of female uniform of counselor Troy being like this really sexy, cleavage cat to being taken more seriously with, I mean, from what we've been talking about is the reverse makeover, right? It took several years. We didn't just get a screening montage and she got more serious, but nothing really changed about her appearance other than the fact that she started dressing in, you know, a more, I don't even want to say masculine, just the standard uniform for Star Trek. Yeah, because there were other women who were already wearing that outfit. It's literally in Star Trek. It's not like, so, okay, on the first season of Star Trek, Tasha Yar is wearing the regular uniform and Troy is wearing Mm -hmm. the cat suit and it's, there's no, is there even a reason given? <laughs> like, I don't think there is. I think it's just like, hey, you know, because she's sexy. The actress is really sexy and we wanted to see more of her. <laughs> yeah. Then to their credit, those that first season, at least in the pilot, right there, they did put the men in the skirt too. Skirt, yes. Yeah. The men in the skirts is a, the men in skirts in Star Trek is amazing. And like they, I wish they, I mean, without doing anything, I wish they just, even if they didn't want to have a main character there, it should have just been common, like beyond that. It's like, yeah, sometimes, you know, sometimes men wear skirts too. Don't worry about it. That would have made everything. With the makeover scenes in movies is, I mean, yes, it's an easy way to like move plot device to move the story along, but it hurts sometimes because it's such a reflection of what we deal with on a day-to-day basis in life, right? We're absolutely judged by how we're presenting ourselves to the world. You know, the last year or so, there's been more little articles popping up about something as simple as I'm a waitress. I wear pigtails and my tips increase. You know, that's Mm -hmm. the equivalent of I took my glasses off or I took my hair out of a ponytail. All I did was put my hair in pigtails, how everybody responded to me, and my financial situation changed immediately. I think that was maybe what I was trying to get at earlier with the insidiousness of it. It does feel almost like, yeah, it's great that you have confidence now, and it's great that you have kind of gone into enemy territory and learned how to put on eyeliner, but now (laughs) the rest of the world can take you seriously because you've learned how to do that. And, you know, you've learned how to manipulate others by, like, you know, wearing a push-up bra on. I don't know. There's a lot of like oh progressive feminism in it. I don't know. I might agree with Bex. I think maybe this is sort of why I don't know that that I the way I think of the makeover scene I, I that I think of it more as separate from a training montage is because you're right. I mean we're constantly judged by how we appear and it happens to everyone. But the standards for men and women are different. I mean I you know to someone I know who's you know a white male professor doesn't get comments about his appearance the way I might on student mm-hmm. evals, right? That that have nothing to do with my teaching, right? So, ugh, right? I don't know. I guess I, I still I, probably have sort of a kind of bugs me back from the breakfast club, right? Yeah. When mm-hmm. let's make over the quirky chick. And Allison, yeah. she doesn't need to be made over. I mean, I get it. Claire's bored and that's what she even <laughs> says. She's like, why are you doing this? Because you're letting me, right? That, okay. But, but then the point is that the guy then becomes even more interested in her afterwards. It already was. So it's like, right. did we have to have that scene? So, I don't think that it was necessary. I think it, it would have been, he was already interested. Just I want to break that one down. So for people who okay. haven't seen, see, because the Breakfast Club one was one that I did not talk about in the call for comments because I felt like maybe it was a whole post in and of itself. It's weird, right? Because I think it definitely counts as a makeover because mm-hmm. she yeah. there is a physical transformation. I think it's interesting.
interesting because unlike other makeovers, like when Mac does the makeover for Lainey and she's all that, she shows up with her, you know, her kit. She's got her makeup and she's, you know, she's like, I am here to do hair and makeup for you. Like that's the plan, right? Mm-hmm. Claire is not planning to make over Allison that day. So Allison's makeover is entirely based on what Claire had with her, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. so this is the eyeliner you've got because it's the one that's in my purse, right? Like it is what, so I very limited and I think visually they communicated that this was just like, you know, more or less what she was able to do in 15 minutes because she was bored. I think it's weird in that I, I think the interesting thing about Allison in that film is that Allison, unlike all the other characters, she's the one with less of an identity. She's only there because she truly is a poser. And I don't mean that in like I'm insulting her. I mean, her function is she's pretending to be something that she's not in order to be there. She's not even on de- under detention. That's the point of her character. So she's kind of gone her growth such that it is she's gone from, you know, being a goth poser to being a Molly Ringwald poser, which is odd, right? It's almost tragic. And then what makes it interesting is, you know, Emilio Estevez goes from liking her a little bit to being totally horny for her because of that. But it's like, is the film stronger if they just hook up with her looking like, you know, a spaz, I think they call her or whatever they call her, you know, like if she's if she stays goth, is it stronger or is it does it matter? Feels like they just want to say they just wanted to have makeover theme. And it's weird. It is. It is. I mean, yes, it's a weird movie. Breakfast Club is a weird movie. And I think it, I think for all its flaws, I think it's brilliant. But that scene is weird because it's not like she was struggling to get along up until then. Like they were accepting Ali Sheedy. They, you know, they in as much as they accepted any of each other, mm-hmm. like she wasn't the one that, you know, oh, I'm going to be the one sitting alone. You know, that's Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> When realistically, eh, yeah, you probably will be sitting alone on Monday. Ali Sheedy. Well, maybe Ali Sheedy sitting along on, alone on Monday if she doesn't get the makeover because it's the 80s and kids are superficial. Is that the message? Well, but she has the line where he says, you know, that he wouldn't be rude to the other people. And he assumes Allison wouldn't either. You know, and she says, you know, I wouldn't do that to you in front of my friends. And she says, I don't have any friends, but the ones mm-hmm. that I would have wouldn't care. So I I don't know. I mean, she seems she's they call her the basket case. Right. And she seems okay with it. I mean, she's not happy. She has teen angst. But I mean, I don't think the she doesn't want the makeover. I mean, she doesn't 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 refuse it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, she's I don't get the sense when I look at it. I don't get the sense. That's how she's going to come to school on Monday. Okay, so you think you think she'll be a goth chick on Monday? Yeah, that this was, you know, okay. Claire did this. All right, whatever. But I don't get the feeling that she's going to adopt that as her look from then on. I think she's going to come to school on Monday with the usual heavy black eyeliner, black clothes, hair in her face kind of thing. Yeah, it very much felt more like, I don't know, almost just a representation of their developing friendship more than an actual makeover. Like we're exchanging something about ourselves. Like this is Claire Aaron Claire, right? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Sharing something well, about herself with someone who now views 
your dad's friend and you know we're going to totally change everything about you interesting yeah i hadn't thought of that i, I know that our shows out there and i can't think of the mo- any of the movies they're called you, you might be able to think of them but where the makeover is more about bringing them into a culture you know i'm trying to you know bring you into my culture bring you into our world how do you understand our way of life or our way of living mean girls Demolwares Prada is a good example of that and uh, Clueless as well well. Clueless probably as well especially Mm -hmm. because Clueless is not really I mean yes she's trying to change her but it really is it's not a hey I'm going to you know win like she's all that it's a hey I think this person has value and in in Cher's twisted version of reality the best thing that I can do for you is to make you me you know yeah it's on Wednesdays we wear pink right right complicated version of on Wednesdays we wear and that's and I think the same thing yeah that's what happens in Mean Girls too right like on Wednesdays we wear pink because it's not trying to it's not that they don't like Katie it's that they want Katie to also be popular and this is them trying to give that gift to her (laughs) you know you're giving the gift of acceptance through assimilation it is a weird oh I can be all I can be all nerdy yeah well it's I mean do you want me to like make the whole Antonio Gramsci hegemony argument here about like what like I think so like the Borg you know but also like the Borg the other way too right because when Seven of Nine leaves the Borg she has to be hot but not also not just hot like because the you know the show needs her to be hot because her job is to be the new sex symbol on the show but also like they're assimilating her backwards like they don't just take her out of the Borg and then let her be a Borg chick in a Starfleet outfit they take her out of the Borg and they get rid of much of the you know Borg pieces she's got enough to let you know that she's still a computer lady but she looks relatively human and Starfleet-ish because they need that makeover in order to make her fit even though you know they never did that with Kess or Neelix or you know any of the other like like they're trying to make her seem more human so yeah like the Borg and it's still assimilation it's just a different group of people doing it and deciding what that standard is yes that's what I think I'm getting at in a weird way I think the difference between like Seven of Nine and you know Mean Girls or Clueless or Devil Wears Prada is there is almost this like teenage wish fulfillment almost like if someone could just come along and teach me how to be popular I could do it right it kind of breaks it down into these very simple steps all you have to do to be popular is to wear pink on Wednesdays right Mm -hmm. all you have to do to be popular at a new school is to be like adopted by the popular crowd and not to again compare it to a training model but I think that's very similar right if I had the right coat I could be the world heavyweight champion you know if I had the right mentor I could be I don't even know training montage movies the baseball world champion thing you know if I just had the right amount of help and someone would lay out how to do it I could do it I could be successful I yeah you Natalie we have solved it (laughs) we've resolved something nothing I don't know I mean (laughs) yes I mean I think that's the argument yeah I mean it's I do think that's the message I'm trying to decide if it's it's a good one or not that's where I'm stuck at like I don't think it's the simple way out is to be like oh these movies are superficial because it's always a woman but we've discovered that it's not I'm not even sure it's mostly a woman I think it's I think the women ones are the ones we remember but just Mm -hmm. again having gone through them there are a lot of guy makeovers but again it's really it's usually really forgettable like it's like oh this guy's a nerd put him in a suit you know it doesn't I agree that it doesn't have the same cultural significant but it's still in the film so so now I did not go through and count you know maybe if I were writing a real paper I would actually do the study and I would actually go and 
count all films ever, but uh, or kind of sampling or something. <sighs> just I don't know if it's good or bad, and maybe it's just like everything else. That it depends on how it's used or how you want to view it, like your, your reading of it. Because I'm just really struck by the fact that again, I just recently watched She's Out of Control, and I think that movie is trying to have a very important, very interesting statement. I think it fails utterly because it's a bad movie, but that's not the intent, right? Like I think yeah. conceptually what it's trying to do is really fascinating. It's just that it's a crap fest. <laughs> You know, it's so harsh on poor Tony yeah, I, Danza. Yeah. <laughs> I think bad. you're totally right in that it totally depends on how it's used. I also mm-hmm. think with the female makeover scene compared to like the masculine training montage, I think the insidiousness mm-hmm. is in in assuming that all women want to be pretty, right? And that's what, from what I've heard, I don't remember this movie, and that from what I've heard, you guys talk about what she's all about is kind of criticizing. Is yes, she yeah. doesn't want to be pretty, so she just does it for this one off. And then I'm assuming at the end, of how she was before. Uh, I wouldn't say, see, it's not so much that she doesn't want to be pretty. It's that she knows she's fine as she is. There's a difference because, because it's, she's all that is very weird in that I remember it like it's much more like it. So if you, without having watched it, I remembered it being a lot closer to what the actual plot of not another teen movie, not to what Mm. the film actually does. The film never, like they don't treat her like she's a troll and she doesn't think she is. And she knows like her statement is, yeah, I don't really do makeup. My mom died when I was a kid, so I never learned. It's not that she's not interested. It's that she didn't have anybody to teach her. And she's just like, and so when Mac teaches her, she's like, okay, yeah, this is kind of nice. And then it's sort of Mac's like, I think your hair would look cute or short. And she's like, do you think? I never really thought about it. It's not important to her, but she knows that she looks fine. She, you know, she's not concerned with it. It's not like she's like, I'm rejecting feminine beauty standards. It's that she doesn't care at all. She's just happy being laney, and I think that's important. Like the message mm-hmm. of the film was is look, I wasn't broken. I didn't need your help. I didn't ask for your help. I was fine living who I was. And you know, it's kind of neat having like at the end they end up being a couple. Yep. It's yeah. neat having new friends, but it's not, it wasn't necessary. And that's why I think that movie is so like she's all that is very nuanced. And I think that's why it's remembered so well in a way that like you know, she's out of control, isn't or something. But I think dirty dancing is the same way, right? Like dirty dancing if you actually pay attention there are slight changes like so jennifer gray baby's costuming her clothes get skimpier as the film goes on but she's also becoming more of a dancer and they have to like there's a narrative reason right she's she's kind of Mm. bottled up when they first go on but she's on vacation and like towards the you know later on in the movie like she's just training to be a dancer constantly so of course her outfits are you know more Mm. appropriate for that and then the last scene she's performing so she gets sexier but it, the clothing is sort of matching her attitude. It's her, her confidence is growing. So I think that those are the movies that the ones that work are the ones that are trying to do something, you know, with actual character growth. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. In relation yeah, I, I to think, that, yeah, go ahead. I, it really is a tool. As a plot device, it's a tool. As a makeover, it's a tool. If it's assimilating into a society, gaining confidence, it's how you use it. And that's one of the reasons I brought up, the, you know, it's, I don't think what you first think of as a makeover movie, but the movie Easy A. 
but she mm-hmm. does herself completely change how she looks, how she interacts with people, how she engages with people because she's trying to get a reaction. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a positive reaction, but she mm-hmm. goes through a transformation to push society's buttons to get a reaction. It just happens to be a negative I mean, one. But she, well, but she also does it specifically knowing that she is, you know, she over sexualizes herself, or at least in, in the world of the film, she over sexualizes herself uh, with the statement of, hey, look, guys, I'm over sexualizing. Uh, I'm over sexualizing myself to point out the ludicrousness of how you're treating. Like, it's not even weird because EZA is, you know, you want to say it's a remake of the Scarlet Letter, but it's not. She is aware of the Scarlet well, Letter, right? Like she's wearing the Scarlet Letter because she's like, she's going, hey, look, see, I'm doing the Scarlet Letter thing. This is what I'm doing. Do you understand? Do you get mm-hmm. it? Like she's very much lampshading it with her appearance. Precisely. She's using her appearance to try mm-hmm. to get some sort of reaction. And it's not necessarily going for, I'm going to suddenly be sexy. She's using it as a tool to get a reaction. And I think that's, you know, how it's used in other places too. It, you know, it's a tool to get a reaction. It's just what reaction are they looking for? I want to be accepted mm-hmm. into the group. I want to be seen as a competent leader. I want to be, you know, given this promotion. Mm-hmm. I think Easy A is just such a fascinating movie to throw into this mix about makeover movies because mm-hmm. it, in, it almost works in the opposite way of most of their makeover movies. You know, he does this makeover, you know, not because he wants it, which is pretty in line with some of the makeover movies we've talked about, but also not only does he not do it to fit in, but he does it explicitly so she will more emphatically not fit in, right? So it's yeah, almost like a parody of them. She's, she's still using clothes and her interaction mm-hmm. to do it. And I think that's why mm-hmm. it's kind of a neat one to throw in there. I think that mm-hmm. connects to the idea, like when we're talking about she's all that or dirty dancing and talking about those being sort of a, a better version of it because it's related to character growth and confidence and accepting that they don't have to be a particular way. Oh, that in both those films, the person who's undergoing the change also changes someone else. That it's not a static thing. That it's not, hey, I changed the way I look. And so now people, you know, now I'm pretty and boys are going to want to date me. It's that, you know, in, in She's All That, she's changing Zach and, you know, baby is changing Johnny and her mm-hmm. father and sister. And that the what's going on is having sort of a ripple effect. And like Easy A, he's trying to make a statement and she's trying to, you know, look at yourselves, look at what you're doing, look at what's going on, that it's not just about her. It's about a, a larger picture. Yeah, I think that's true of all of the movies that use the makeover trope really well, right? Because even in something like The Devil Wears Prada, which again, I only saw last week, that's the only reason to bring it up. It's almost an inversion of the makeover trope. And once she gets more feminine, once she starts being more fashionable, well, you know, her boyfriend dumps her. He does not like her. And she's choosing to be, you know, a fashionable person who cares about her appearance for the sake of her career. You know, she's doing this so she has a career as a writer. And I think playing around with that trope is where you get into whether or not the trope is used well or poorly, right? Because all the movies we've talked about are doing really interesting things with the makeover trope. So just in closing, I just want to, because it, it was asked in like, you know, the yeah. comments, yeah. does Superman count here? 
<laughs> because Superman does the thing where, oh, I'm Clark Kent because I'm wearing glasses and heaven forbid a man with glasses could be a superhero. Therefore, I must not be Superman. Is this essentially the same base thing we're talking about? The makeover is entirely just superficial. <laughs> but it's not a makeover. It's a disguise. Okay. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's a persona that he specifically adopts for a particular reason. He's not, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know some of them do it really well. Like I'm thinking of, you know, Christopher Reeve and his whole body language shifts when he doesn't have glasses on. And that Mm -hmm. sort of was kind of like the standard for it. And, or you look at Lois and Clark and Dean Dean Payne was very different when he was Clark Mm -hmm. than when he was Superman. And you're right. I don't, I think Henry Cavill is better as Superman than he is as Clark. Yeah. And that's, well, I think that's, I think that matters, right? Because I Mm -hmm. think that what, and where I think it it shares some of the DNA is I think when Chris Reeves does the I'm becoming Superman, I'm thinking specifically in Superman 2 when he reveals himself to Lois Lane after he, mm-hmm. you know, accidentally crawls on the fire and she's like, oh, your hand's okay. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to take that moment. And the physical transformation of, okay, I'm going to stand up straight and I'm going to take my glasses off and I'm just going to be bigger and I'm going to be Superman is very obvious. That feels like a makeover scene to me. And it feels like a physical transformation and also an emotional one because it's where he's growing where he's deciding at least for that moment the movie has problems but at least for that moment he is deciding I am now going to be the guy who trusts Lois that's you know there is a very real moment in there that I think is interesting I think that I'm forgetting the name of the guy Tyler uh, the guy who plays him on Superman and Lois Tyler Hochin yes Tyler Hochin he is also very good at portraying Clark and Superman like they are of physically different sizes his visual appearance doesn't doesn't look that much but like character wise I sort of get why people don't notice Dean Kane. I have a lot of problems with Dean Kane the person but he was excellent at it was in that series but mm-hmm. I don't think everybody can do it I don't think I don't think Brandon Ralph was very good at it I just, I, think, think, I just think Superman is such a bad example here because he goes so easily between the personas and mm-hmm. you know we can talk about superhero makeovers I think Spider-Man is actually a really great example we get that whole montage with, with Toby Maguire like sewing his suit version. and yeah. like learning how to use his power and mm-hmm. I think that would that's the makeover scene and it actually changes both Spider-Man and Peter Parker from the movie going forward but because Superman goes back and forth so easily and so mm. effortlessly especially when it's done really well I don't know that I would call it a makeover because the makeover needs to be a fundamental change to you're different now you're saying like super, like that's the difference between a makeover and a disguise disguising yourself as Clark Kent is different than Tommy McGuire now being the guy who can catch Mary Jane and all the flying fruit like that's a yeah. fundamentally different guy yeah and there's a progression yeah, when it's oh. a makeover but I mean I think it may be a disguise but it does share the theme right about why makeovers are such a debated thing and the kind of love hate thing is how we present ourselves matters and it changes how people interact with us and that can be how if you're stooping you're standing up you're making eye contact you're not making eye contact you know we can say it's shallow but you know if you show up to an interview and you're you know wearing laundry that hasn't been washed and you know dirty tennis shoes and you're like hey I came here to be a tax accountant right like they're not going to take you seriously and nobody goes oh how dare you not take that person seriously um, that's where it shares that yeah. instead they say that the person who didn't you know improve their appearance for the job interview why didn't you take seriously mm-hmm. I don't know I mean if we consider the disguise of Clark as a makeover then to what extent are all costumes makeovers 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. That's fair. And I don't I mean, especially know. Some, especially a character like the Wasp, who, you know, the original Janet Van Dyne and how she was constantly changing her uniform, mm-hmm. right? We she might have to do another episode about superhero. Yeah, we might have to do it. So Monica, who couldn't be here today, has extensive research, particularly on Janet, but on costume, <laughs> yeah. on superhero costumes in general, but like particularly on Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp and the bajillion costumes. And also I have a whole section of my dissertation that I wrote on 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 what I call the super makeover, which was a thing that happened a lot in 70s girl superhero comics. There's very explicit makeover scenes for Wonder Woman, for Supergirl, for Wonder Girl. It happens like really a lot. And it's in the 70s. There's a lot of very explicit makeover scenes that fundamentally change the character. So if you'd like to hear us do a follow up, let us know and I'll talk to Monica and see if we can plan one, because I think that there's a lot to to be said about like comic superheroes and, and how makeovers and costumes are makeovers. But anyway, on that sorry. note, we resolve yeah. nothing. Yeah, we'll resolve stuff or nothing or something. I don't know. I Thank you guys know. for coming and joining me again, right. particularly since it was last minute for most of you, or for all of you. So thank you. <laughs> Natalie, if people want to find more about you. I'm nowhere except here. You have exclusive access to everything I do. No, I've been working on my dissertation, so I haven't been doing much of anything. Mm-hmm. So this is it. Go back and listen to the other episodes I've been on, I guess. <laughs> I love that you. I was gonna. I was gonna make the joke about you, you were sitting in the woods working on your dissertation. Natalie literally moved to the middle of the woods to work on her dissertation. This is not a joke. That's what you did. I live in the middle of the desert. Actually, you cannot I see a tree. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's not technically woods. But yeah, uh, yeah, I do. The middle of nowhere. Yes. I do. I live in the middle of nowhere on a school bus. And Nicole, I'm on Twitter. If you want to find me there, although I'm really only mildly entertaining, and you can go back and listen to the other Vox podcasts or I've been on the Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow podcast a couple of times. So mm-hmm. plug Mav's other, his other podcast. I think you were on, as this episode drops, I believe you were on two weeks ago on mm-hmm. GGW. So yes, absolutely. You're great. Always good to have you. And Bex, like you've never had to do this before. If people want to find more of you, is there anywhere they should, or are you like, like Natalie and just hiding from the world? No, I'm hiding from the world on a coast somewhere. It, <laughs> you can find me here on this particular episode on this podcast. <laughs> Oh, if you're on the Oregon coast next in a couple months, she will be in the musical Cannibal. I will be. Yes, Little Theater on the Bay, uh, North End, Oregon. Be a great show. We have amazing director John Bean and Dewar are putting the show on and it should be a great time. That sounds awesome. And as always, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all of the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show. Most of those same places. We don't have an Instagram account for the show anymore i don't know why i'm very upset this is the first time i've had a chance to address this since it happened because we had some shows that were pre-taped but for reasons that we don't understand our instagram account got suspended we don't know why we don't even break any rules like it's just pictures of the show notes the show episode avatar and and links to the shows and we've been doing it for like a couple of years and it's all on my instagram as well and on monica's instagram as well and neither monica nor i got suspended but the instagram account for vox podcast got suspended so if you know how to make us how to help us get it back we'd really appreciate it 
it's really upsetting because they don't really give they don't really make it easy to even like ask for a review or anything they're just like yeah you probably broke a rule but we're not saying which one and it's really upsetting so you know you can follow us on twitter or facebook at box podcast for now and we will see about getting the other one back if you enjoy the show we certainly hope you do then please subscribe to us on itunes or stitcher or spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from and do us a favor leave us a five-star review if you leave us a five-star review that gooses the algorithm makes us more popular and really helps us out especially if you don't just leave a rating but if you write a review and just say something about how awesome the show is and how much fun it is to listen to and then you ask your friends to listen to those things are always appreciated especially since we're missing part of our audience now because we lost our instagram account anyway (laughs) i would like to thank maximilian of thought for music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out i'd once again like to thank my guests for joining me i'd like to thank you for listening and we'll see you next time bye bye Bye. 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 Bye.